listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. Nice to have you along as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. It's sports talk without all the trash talk. Zach, how do you feel about talking about a little hockey? I feel very positively about it. Let's I do it. I suspected you would. The Las Vegas Golden Knights had an incredible ride last year as an expansion team all the way into the Stanley Cup Finals, mm-hmm. as you know. This year, however, eliminated in the first round in a Game 7 that was maybe as incredible to witness as was the success that they had last year. Mm -hmm. They suffered, the Golden Knights did, a stunning collapse in Game 7 against the San Jose Shark, giving up four goals in five minutes en route to losing 5-4 to in overtime. Look, giving up four goals in any five-minute stretch is a collapse. Doing it in Game 7, that's a collapse of epic proportions. Now, we have to say that the Sharks were aided by, what would you say, an incredulous call by the referees? Maybe one of the worst I've ever seen. It was pretty bad. The Knights were holding a 3-0 lead midway through the third period. It sure looked like they're moving on, right? You got a three-goal lead in midway through the third period of a Game 7 and look, regardless of what you think of the call, though, you got to give the Sharks credit. They didn't give up. Mm-hmm. They stuck with it. They didn't fold. Not only did they erase a three-goal deficit in the game, but they erased a 3-1 deficit in the series. In fact, winning game six on the road in double overtime just to force game seven. So you got to give the Sharks some credit. Midway through the third period, the Sharks' Joe Pavelski won a faceoff against Cody Eakin, who gave Pavelski a cross-check to the chest. Now, this is where the trouble happens. He's, he falls backwards. He actually falls into Paul Stastny of the Knights. And I don't. he was stumbling back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Stastny didn't really push him, shove him. It, it looked to me like it was just collision. Yeah. What ends up happening, though, is he hits his head pretty hard. He falls just, I don't know if it was the change or whatever it was. He hit pretty hard. And... He eventually gets up, makes his way to the bench. And as he's making his way to the bench, Joe Thornton's holding a towel. He's bleeding everywhere. It was a scary and ugly scene for sure, which is why many think that that five-minute major was awarded. Because Vegas and its fans, what are what they're really fired up about is the fact that no call was made on the ice right. as play was continuing. It was as he was getting treated on the ice after the play had stopped, that they decided to make this call. Mm-hmm. To me, I've seen the video a number of times. It looked to me like it was just really was a push. Technically, I, I guess technically it's a cross-check. Mm-hmm. But it was really a push no different than what you see on practically every other face-off in the league. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and it, I mean, usually when you see a malicious hit, you could say that was a malicious hit. That was, you know, it was intent to injure or at least knock down or whatever. This is a little tap on the way by, and that's all it was. And it knocks Pavelski off balance, 
He's stumbling a little bit, probably is going to correct himself, but he stumbles into Stastny, and that's actually what reroutes him, and he falls down, obviously hits his face awkwardly and bleeds all over the place. But like you said, there was no penalty called. The officials didn't even see it. So what happens is several seconds later, when he's bleeding all over the place, they stop play and call a penalty on something that they didn't even see happen, which to me is ridiculous. The NHL has released a statement defending the call, saying the referees called a cross-checking penalty for an infraction that caused a significant injury. Vegas' coach said after the game that officials told him that he got cross-checked in the face. Well, as you say, they didn't even see it. But there was no high stick there. There was nothing to the face. It was all in the chest. Only six seconds into the penalty kill. The Sharks got their first goal, cutting the deficit 3-1. The Sharks came all the way back to take a 4-3 lead. This is a power play, by the way. That was 4 for 25 going into the game. And then they scored four goals and something like five. It was crazy. It was rather remarkable. It's only the second time in NHL history that a team overcame a three-goal third period deficit in a game seven the knights were comparing themselves to the new orleans saints it's reminiscent of that for sure yeah and that's what they were saying that non-call in the nfc championship game that really put the rams into the super bowl but you know you could make that case or you could say maybe the sharks just wanted it more they seem to oh don't get me started on wanting it more I think we've had this discussion off the air. I think that the phrase, well, this this team wanted it more, is ridiculous. You know, like I, I heard it said about uh, the Capitals and the Hurricanes. And, and uh, somebody said, well, the Hurricanes wanted it more. Are you telling me the Capitals, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, <laughs> they didn't want to win the Stanley Cup as much as this other team did? They're like, no, nah, we got one. If we get there, we get there. No, of course they want it. To say one team wanted it more, maybe one team was fresher, maybe one team was more tired. To say one team wanted the Stanley Cup more than the other cup is ridiculous. Get out of here with that. <laughs> well, now you know why I mentioned it. But... <laughs> that, I, yep, that was a bait for sure. You just baited me into that. Do Vegas fans have a right to be angry? I, I mean, I guess in some ways, but your team choked. Absolutely. Well, say what you want. Your team choked. They unraveled. That's on them. Were they put in a bad spot? Sure. But they gave up four goals in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Come on, that that's all on you. I, look, for Las Vegas, this is kind of a awakening moment. Not everything's going to be easy. You went all the way in your expansion year to the Stanley Cup Finals, and here you are in year two of your franchise's history, back in the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. That's not how it happens. That's not how it's supposed to happen. It's a sort of maybe a wake up call for them. But where do they go from here? Do they? kind of come back next year retreat now into a typical expansion team not the team we've seen in the playoffs both years of the franchise's history do they channel the bitterness do they use that anger kind of as fuel i think it'll be interesting to see how they handle this failure now it is failure they failed it will be um you know interesting to see if they take responsibility and say this is on us we got to be better or if they're going to blame the refs throughout the entire offseason and into next season. Again, the refs perhaps put them in a bad spot, but the the refs weren't playing defense. Apparently right. neither were the Knights. <laughs> and, and the refs weren't in goal. Well, here's the thing. This is a, a fun team to watch. They seem to have a pretty good core of guys, and they do have some veteran guys who have been there several times. So I think probably they're going to bear down and get better and uh, put it behind them. How we handle failure says a lot about who we are. 
We all fail, so we all have to deal with failure. We need to avoid responding to failure by blaming others, justifying ourselves, or denying it altogether. Just because you fail, don't give up. One of the keys to overcoming failure is to realize that it can actually be helpful. God doesn't want us to blame others for our failures, even if perhaps they did have a hand in it. He wants us to learn from our failures. He wants us to learn from them so we don't make the same mistakes over and over again. We need to take responsibility for our actions. With God's help, you can turn your failures into victories. We talked about the Orioles' Chris Davis last week. He failed at the plate 54 times in a row, but he stuck with it, and eventually he broke through. Some of the best power hitters in baseball are also the most prolific strikeout victims. The fear of failure is worse than failure itself, isn't it? It's better to attempt things and fail than to not make an attempt at all. It's that fear of failure which the devil uses to render believers almost powerless when it comes to sharing their faith. So because they fear failing, they neglect to share Christ, and who knows the eternal consequences which result. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So many Christians love Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But if we truly believe that, what are we worried about? We need to stop worrying, and we need to start praying. We need to start trusting. Just a few verses before that, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Failing at something does not mean that you yourself are a failure. It doesn't mean that you failed at life. Everyone fails. Sooner or later, everyone fails. Learn to deal with it. And I'm not necessarily talking about passing a test or being able to hit a curveball, though the idea still applies. Get up, brush yourself off, try again. But sometimes our failures are giving in to temptations. Our failures are falling into sin. And just as everyone fails, everyone sins. If you try to cover it up, you try to deny it, it will only fester. You can't overcome sin if you don't even admit it. Be able to forgive yourself and to let God forgive you as well. Sticking with the book of Philippians, which is just one of my favorites, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't let failure or sin hold you down. Confess it. Repent from it. Press on. Confession involves taking responsibility of our failures. It's admitting that we know we were wrong. Once we've admitted our error, we can avoid making that same mistake over and over again by repenting from them. It's really a change of action, if you will. We must face ourselves. We must look in the mirror and do something about it. It's putting a stop to sinning deliberately. Sure, we may fail again, but when we do, we make a commitment to repenting again. So many continue in the same sin because they refuse to repent from it. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us and he will cleanse us from the stain of sin. 1 John 1, nine says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The goal of repentance and of confession is to be in a right standing with God. Have you ever confessed and sought God's forgiveness of your sins? Without forgiveness of sins, we all face the wrath of God by being eternally separated from him and being punished in hell. John 3, verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty of our sins. He did it because he loves you. John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse, and verse 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Forgiveness of sins is only found at the cross in Jesus Christ. God offers forgiveness. He offers eternal life to you. He offers it to anyone who would accept it but it requires confession and repentance. Pray to God and admit your sin and guilt. Tell him that you believe that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And ask him to forgive you and ask him to help you repent from your sin. That means to turn away from them, to start a new life following Christ. I hope you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ today. I hope you'll ask God to forgive you. And if we can help, please let us know. Maybe you want more information. Perhaps you're ready now for the first time ever to place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Reach out to us through our website. It's btgprogram.com. And you can reach out to us. Send us an email through our website. Time for a quick timeout along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up to Wednesday, April 24th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's track and field team captured its fifth straight East Coast Conference outdoor title last Saturday. Ashley Watson won in both 10,000 and 5,000 meters. In fact, in the 10,000, Roberts swept the top four positions and in the 5,000, the top three. Freshman twin sisters Abigail and Bailey Gostomsky Finished 1-2 in the 1,500 meters and combined with Mariah Martone and Addison Segroy in the 4x800-meter relay for another first-place finish. Brianna Randolph won in the 100-meter dash, and Amanda Greenwood claimed the ECC title in the high jump as well as finishing second in the long jump. The men's team came in third, led by first-place finishes by Benjamin Richards in the steeplechase and Josiah Adelini in the 800-meter event. James Betts finished right behind Adelini in the 800-meter was the anchor in the 4x800-meter winning relay team that also featured Chase McKelvey, Brian Farino, and Nathan Cannon. With its 13-5 win over Malloy College last Saturday, the men's lacrosse team clinched a spot in the East Coast Conference postseason for the first time in program history. Hunter Lemieux leading the Red Hawks with five goals in the playoff clinching win. On Tuesday, they were back in action on the road against highly touted and eighth-ranked Mercyhurst University, and despite three goals from Mike Richardson, the Red Hawks fell 19-6. They'll close out the regular season at home on Saturday, April 27th at noon, against New York Institute of Technology. On the women's side, the number four spot in the East Coast Conference standings was on the line last Saturday against Malloy, and despite six goals from Emily Tomei, Roberts came up on the short side in a 13-9 loss. Jessica Giancurso scored her 100th career point in the match. And finally, another action, the Roberts Wesleyan men's tennis team lost at LeMoyne College 4-1. Stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. 
There you'll find news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the program. So glad to have you here with us on the Beyond the Game program. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording in our BTG studio. But you can get the show wherever it is that you are. Show's available at your convenience via podcast. It's downloaded each week all around the globe and throughout these great United States and places such as Grays Lake, Illinois. The Ninja, Zach, makes his home in Grays Lake, Illinois. Tyler Blevins of Internet Gaming fame. Oh. Something the kids like to call Twitch streaming. I, I know you're totally into that. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Something like 21 million followers on his YouTube channel. I oh know my. what that is. Thanks for listening out there in Grays Lake, Illinois, wherever it is you're listening from, however it is you're listening. We thank you for being with us as well. Let me give it over to you, Zach. You can hit us up with a couple of your shenanigans statements. All right. Number one, it seems like every other day there's a video clip going viral of a Major League Baseball umpire making an egregious call or ejection. So truth or shenanigans, baseball's officiating is the worst it's ever been. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I guess I should say, I don't know if it's the worst it's ever been, but it's definitely the worst we've ever seen with all this advanced video technology and social media sharing. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's been pretty bad. What concerns me the most is how blatantly bad it's been. You know, not just uh, the frequency of a missed call, but the outrageously bad level of the missed call. And I guess what also bothers me is how indifferent and defensive some of the umpires seem to be about it. I mean, in my opinion, baseball needs stronger accountability. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to lose their jobs. I never want to see people lose their jobs. But maybe they need to be sent down to the minors, just like the players are when they don't play up to expectation. I like yeah, I don't know. At first, I was going to say shenanigans because I was going to say, well, I don't think it's the worst it's ever been. I just think with all the technology that we have to review it now, we're exposed to it more than ever. But you know what? I changed my mind. I think that it is the worst it's ever been, not just because of how bad so many of these calls have been this year, but because of the attitude of the umpires themselves. You know, you have Angel Hernandez suing the league. You have also his on-field conduct. You have guys umpires seemingly challenging players getting in their faces these umpires not only do they seem to be worse than they've been but they seem to be very defensive and very aggressive I think aggressive and arrogant yeah. about it and that's a big turnoff for me number two the oakland raiders sending their entire scouting staff home a week <laughs> before the nfl draft is a sign of how dysfunctional the john gruden mike mayock front office is what do you think zach uh i'm actually going to say shenanigans yeah, me too. Um, again, I thought so at first, and the more I think about it, um, Mike Mayak's daughter got on Twitter and sent a message to the scouts that got sent home, and she said, don't feel bad. She goes, 
you know, I was out to eat with him at a restaurant and he had his binder, his draft prep binder with him and he took it with him into the bathroom, wouldn't even leave it at a table with his own daughter. She said he was extremely secretive about it and it's understood most of those scouts are going to be looking for new jobs after this draft anyways. Mayak's going to want his own guys. So, uh, look, I don't think, I mean, maybe it is dysfunctional. It's the Raiders. It probably is. Yeah. But I, I don't think that sending the scouts home is necessarily indicative of that. No, I mean, it looks bad, but these guys are professionals, aren't they? They, yeah. they must know what they're doing, and you know they're at least in a better position than you and me and the fans are to know what's going on. Maybe they already know their plan. So go home and be with your family. I, I got no issue with that. I, yeah, I have to assume they know what they're doing. Again, maybe it doesn't look great. We as a fan think they should be there 24-7 in their offices crunching right. numbers. But, uh, no, I I, can't, I assume they know what they're doing. But, I, there again, you know what they say about assumptions. Yeah. I'm more concerned about the Redskins. That That is dysfunction. Yes. When your team owner is taking over, let your football guys do their job. Yeah, because it turned out so well last time he did that. Coming up next, you like that, we'll bring our show to a close. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer, because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Spring is finally here. The grass is actually visible, and pretty soon those pesky critters are going to be coming out. Whether it's ants, bees, mice, or even raccoons in your attic, Town & Country Pest Solutions have a solution. They have been in business for over 25 years, and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Welcome back into the program. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Time to bring this week's broadcast to a close. We'll do that with our You Like That segment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. It was a few weeks back, a pair of young Milwaukee Brewers fans, a couple of little girls held up a sign which stated that if star outfielder Kristen Yelich would hit a home run, their dad would get them a puppy. Yelich obliged immediately with a first-inning home run. Well, the dad has made good on his part of the deal. In fact, one of the young ladies suffers with type 1 diabetes, and the family's hope is to train the dog, whom they've named Yelly after Yelich, 
as a diabetes alert dog. What I like, though, is that the Brewers contacted the family. They wanted to put together a sort of special surprise, and it was Christian Yelich himself who delivered an 11-week-old mini doodle puppy to the girls. He then signed baseballs for all the kids, even signed the original sign that they held up. Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers, thrilling fans with a new puppy, like is that. what I like, like this that. week. What I liked this week was the actions of reigning defensive NFL Rookie of the Year, Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts. A video was tweeted out this week where he stopped to change the tire of a woman named Martha Isbell when he saw her car stuck in the grass off-road. Isbell tweeted out a video of Leonard in his Colts gear, fresh off of working out in the gym, changing her tire, being a good Samaritan, and that's the only reason that we even know about this good deed, uh, because the person that he stopped to help tweeted it out. I like that. I like the humility. I like the servant's attitude. So Darius Leonard is what I liked this week. That's the end of our show. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. Join us again next week, won't you? We'll continue mixing sports talk with biblical perspectives. But here's just one more thing. We all know, as much as it shouldn't be, that racism is a part of life. It's small-minded and it's stupid, but it invades practically every area of our life. And sports is, of course, no exception. There was an article this past week in Sports Illustrated detailing the unfortunate hate from lacrosse fans in Philadelphia towards Native American Lyle Thompson, who plays for the Georgia Swarm. Thompson also played at the University of Albany. He's from the Onondaga Reservation near Syracuse, not far to our east from our studio here in Rochester, New York. But not only were fans yelling things about the length of his hair, part of Native American traditions, but PA announcer of the hometown Philadelphia Wings incited fans by saying through the stadium speakers, let's snip the ponytail right here. Now, Thompson didn't hear those original remarks, as ridiculous as they were, but his teammates rallied around him nonetheless. The Wings, on their part, they fired the PA announcer within a few hours and began showing in-game videos featuring comments from a Native American player on their own team. Thompson rose above it all, saying later that it was good things that came out of a bad situation. All races, yes, all races, have suffered and still suffer from various forms of hatred and racism. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. When we're kind to those we do not know, we're really showing that kindness to Jesus. And we may even be showing kindness to an angel of God without even knowing it. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-five thirty-five, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. When those he was speaking to were confused and said, When? When did we do this? Jesus says in Matthew twenty-five forty, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. That's our show for this week. Remember that this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and financial gifts that the Beyond the Game program is made possible. Please keep us in prayer, asking that God not only would use this Sports Talk radio program to impact those who hear it, but that he would also provide financially for the considerable expense of bringing this program to you. If you'd like to have a part in making this radio ministry possible, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.